Welcome listeners to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. This is a podcast on high performance. It will be presented by myself, David Clancy, and my co-host, Kieran Dunn. What we're striving to achieve here is to figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why are they successful. Please rate and review, share with your friends, but most importantly, enjoy. Welcome listeners to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, episode number 62. Today we spoke to Amy O'Donoghue, Irish international middle distance runner, track and cross country athlete, a person of positive vibes. Amy discusses goal setting, routine, adapting training during COVID-19 and being kinder to yourself. We had a nice chat about meditation and mindfulness, big mention to Jesse Barr. We also talked about what Amy loves about running. Thanks for giving us great energy today, Amy. Welcome everyone to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. This is David Clancy calling from Dublin here. Really fortunate and lucky to be speaking to Amy O'Donoghue, an Irish middle distance runner, and very much interested in hearing her story and how she started running from a young age, but also as to how COVID-19 is affecting her training schedule and all those sort of things. Just like to say, Kiran, who I usually run this podcast with, it isn't here today because he has some family issues. And um, so wishing you all the best, Kiran. Amy, how's life? Thanks very much for taking the time today. Thanks very much for having me on. Life is good. It's a little different now at the moment, but kind of getting used to a new normal. So, yeah. A new normal. So we've I've heard that a lot and kind of seen it a lot on social. <laughs> give, give, us, give the listeners a sense as to what a new normal means for, for yourself, you know, a really competitive, high-performing athlete. Well, for me, it's definitely adapting training and it's being kinder to yourself because it's very easy to get frustrated, I think, at the moment because there's so much uncertainty. So for us runners, it's uncertainty with when we'll next compete, whether we'll have any races at all this year uh, or next year, who knows. So the big thing for me is training um within the two kilometer radius and as a middle distance runner that's pretty tough because we run high miles so I'm very fortunate to have a soccer pitch down the road for me so that's where I'm currently doing my runs at the moment it's a lot smaller though than where I'm used to training I would usually train out in UL which is about a 15 minute drive away so obviously I can't go there it's actually shut down now as well at the moment um, but there's a gorgeous bank, there's astro pitches, huge loops. So it's very different now running around a 600 meter loop. So that's the first thing that I've gotten used to now. That's my new training location and, and that's that. So that would be my new normal. Um, in terms of gym training, uh, I'm very fortunate that my gym coach, Will Hughes, he's changed my program to kind of suit home workouts. And I bought TRX ropes and a bar. So um, I'm doing a lot with them at the moment. So I guess the gym I used to go to is also out by UL. It's called Fit 100. Um, so I guess getting used to doing a gym at home is also a new normal. Um, and I'm definitely trying to keep a routine. So I would have done my gym sessions on Monday and Friday, and I'm trying to keep that keep that the same. 
uh, and trying to keep my running schedule the same. So I think the biggest new normal is is just getting used to not leaving that two kilometer radius and not having human contact besides the people who you live with. I definitely, I feel like I, I've gotten used to it now. Initially, um, it, it was a bit of a shock, but I think now it really just feels feels normal. So, so talk to us a little bit about the, the motivation and like, are you holding yourself accountable or, or is your coach helping? I mean, that must be difficult, right? You're used to going out for distance, yes. right? And different vantage points and things like that. And you're used to that location um, in you and in that facility. Like, how do you talk to us a little bit about your mindset? You're managing to go on a football pitch. I don't know how many times you'd have to lap it. <laughs> a lot. A lot. What's, that, what's, what's, that, what's that like? Is, is, that, is that drive coming from within? You know, because uncertainty as to when you're, you're getting back to competition must, must be difficult to be dealing with. Yeah, it is. And the one thing I will say is that I'm quite lucky in the sense that I'm used to training by myself. So my coach, Joe Ryan, and our training group, we would meet on Saturdays in Mullingar or Athlone. So in general, during the week, I would usually train by myself. So that isn't too different for me. The difference is just like the repetitiveness of going around and around the pitch. And I guess for me, it's just a case of like when I do feel demotivated, because trust me, there is there is a lot of days where I'm like, oh my God, I have to do the same thing again with like no clear goal in mind. I think that's the big thing. As runners, we're really like, we, we always have a goal and we always have something to work towards. And now all of a sudden, there's nothing to work towards. And a lot of us have been where now we would usually be getting ready for a track season, which is basically what you prepare all year round for you would do cross country to get strong for track and you would do indoor season again to kind of build for track and now all of a sudden track has come around and that's you know pretty much gone (laughs) so that's tough as well but the one thing that I find like pretty comforting is knowing that every single person is is in the same boat it's not a select few it's like literally everyone in every different sport has to go through this at the moment and I think for me at the moment as well, it's just about maintaining fitness and kind of maintaining that motivation. Because for me, if I was going like all out and like, you know, really, really pushing myself, I think I would have lost motivation come a few months. So for me, it's just trying to take it day by day and like keep that motivation do the little things like make sure I'm rolling out my legs, make sure I'm stretching my legs, make sure I'm doing my exercises um, and strengthening my weaknesses, that kind of thing. That's really good. And is there is there anyone you kind of look towards? I mean, you, you've hit on it exactly. It's really interesting that everyone's going through this, right? The Masters, golf, you know, Formula One Grand Prix season didn't start. The NBA season's been suspended. The Premier League, the GAA, rugby European competitions, everything is kind of postponed for a date that nobody really knows. Yeah. Um, so is there is there anyone that you're kind of looking at and kind of going, geez, you know, those are the things they're kind of adopting. I'm going to take a little bit of that just, just to help when I might have these dips, when I'm not quite as diligent with my routine, although it sounds like you've got a really good handle of it. Yeah. But is there somebody... Do you know, um, that's funny, yesterday um, I was watching Jesse Barr 
do um, a live stream. Um, and she's just like a, a sports psychologist. And um, one thing that I see a lot of, we'll say, top athletes doing is meditation and mindfulness and those kind of relaxing exercises, you know, just to, to keep them sane. As much as, you know, I'm very interested in meditation and, you know, the mindset, but I find it quite hard to sit down in the middle of the day for, for 10, 15 minutes and actually close my eyes and do nothing. So I asked her a question and I said, Jesse, how do you get into meditating and mindfulness if it isn't something that you're really into? And she said, she said one thing, like, it's not, you don't have to literally like take a segment out of your day and lie down. You can start off with just one minute or two minutes. Because if you jump into it um, straight away into like doing 15, 20 minutes and you don't like it, then that's just not going to be effective. So she said, start off by doing one or two minutes. You don't have to be lying down, closing your eyes. Um, it can be something as simple as going for a walk. That was one thing I actually really liked that she said. She said, just go for a walk and be aware of your surroundings. Listen to the noises that you can hear. That's, you know, being mindful and meditating. Um, so that's definitely something that I'm going to start today. Um, because I think a lot of this is just keeping sane and, you know, not getting anxious and kind of, because we can't control this situation. It's, it's new. It's, it's a whole, it's a whole new situation for all of us. So I think if you can just kind of stay calm and, um, practice mindfulness in a way that, that suits you, that it will be really helpful. I like that. Like I'd like to just share. I'm um, I'm getting emails sent to me about being a better dad every morning, right? <laughs> Trying to what what do the best dads do? And, yeah. and it was an interesting email yesterday, and they were saying how more adults need to be more childlike. Okay. And, and it kind of made me think that I I just took my son out for a walk this morning, and he is the epitome personified <laughs> mindfulness because all he does is like wanders around. What's that? What's yeah. That? What's that? What's that? <laughs> So it's like he doesn't care yeah. about what happened one minute ago or three minutes later yeah. or tomorrow. He only cares about right now. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of very interesting. And I had a conversation with somebody recently who uh, runs an app called One Moment Meditation. Mm-hmm. Carmel Moore is her name from Dublin. Yeah. And and she kind of has that with her practice and that, you know, headspace and calm and all these things, you know, that I use and, and people I work with use and, and they're great. But Something as simple as what you're saying, like just, you know, a 1%, a tiny habit of nasal breathing or awareness of your walking, your feet on the ground, or just taking a pause and looking at the sky. Yeah. Like even doing that small incrementally steps over a day and over, over weeks, that has to have great compound interest for you mentally. I don't yeah. think enough of us do it. No, I agree. Like even yesterday, one of my close friends who I train with, uh, we would send each other voice messages every day. And she said she went out to the sun yesterday and, you know, normally she'd just lie down and scroll on her phone. So she said, I left my phone down, I closed my eyes and I was just listening to the birds and the breeze and just taking in my surroundings. And she said she felt so much better and refreshed from doing that rather than just lying there and scrolling aimlessly on the phone. So it definitely does have its benefits, I think. And and as you said, not enough of us do it. 
And like even I see on Twitter, people's screen times now are going through the roof because they have nothing else to do except sit on their phone. Um, so that's something I'm trying to be trying to be careful about as well as, you know, without even noticing, I think at the moment, we are all spending a lot more time looking at the screen, um, which is, isn't good for us. So I think, yeah, this is a time where we do need to just go out and leave the phone behind um, and take in our surroundings. I think that's a big thing. We need to listen to that people that like it, it does, it, it can relax you and calm down your nervous system, like neurologically, um, physiologically, just slowing down and switching off the phone, looking up the sky. We hear about it. And yeah. There's been articles, articles out there, but yeah, not enough of us do it. And like, Amy, like I've had that conversation with so many different athletes that do you do meditation? I find it really hard. Yeah. Can't really do it. Get bored after three minutes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like so, it's just, it's like a thing where, um, like in this era, we always have to be doing something like whether it's on the phone or, you know, we, we can't just like, or we find it very hard to sit still and do nothing. So I think that that's, that's definitely something I need to, to get better at. But just, I think from what Jesse said yesterday, going out um, just listening and becoming more aware of the things you can hear and see and smell. I think that would definitely help a lot. So we're, we're going to call up Nike and say, it's not just do it. It's just be. Yeah. <laughs> just be. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Let's, let's pivot for a minute. Amy. thanks for that. That's in, that's an interesting conversation because I can think of 20 times that I've had that conversation and it's always a, an interesting one. Tell us a little bit about, your 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 running and your your kind of start and, and kind of how you got into it. Where did that hope come from? Yeah, well, I was an Irish dancer before I started running, and when I was in primary school, I used to travel to Cork three times a week. So training and competing at a high level was something that I was used to from a child. I loved Irish dancing and the discipline it taught me. I think really set me up for running and failure. You know. There was a lot of it um, for a young age. And I think for people who don't know uh, anything about Irish dancing at the top level, is it, it's like an extreme sport. Like it's very tough. It's very athletic. Um, even mentally, you know, it's quite tough. So that was where I started out competing, I suppose, and just getting used to, to that kind of high level of training. Like we used to have like five hour workshops when we were nine and ten. So um, from a child, I I was definitely used to practicing and, you know, perfecting things. So in secondary school, I went to the North Monsters as a way to get off school for the day. I had no interest in athletics. So I, because I was uh, considered fit from Irish dancing, my PE teacher put me into the 800 meters. And I literally asked him how many laps was, was 800 meters. And I was up against girls who trained with clubs and I ended up winning. So that's how I get, how I got into athletics. And from there, I joined Emerald Athletics Club in Limerick, where my cousin Anne O'Mara was the coach and her brother, Frank O'Mara, he's, he went to the Olympics three times and he won the world indoors twice. So it was definitely, definitely there, just it hadn't been discovered. That summer, I won the 800 meters and the 1500 meters in my first ever All-Ireland. And it kind of took off from there. So that's where, that's how I got into it. And I, I firmly believe that Irish dancing stood massively to me. 
because you're fit and strong. And I also know there is a lot of other Irish dancers that have come to running uh, and been very successful. So that's how I got into it. That's very interesting. And what, what do you what do you love the most about running? What do, what do you really love about it? I feel like it just the way it makes you feel. It makes you feel free and invincible. And I love one thing I love about running is there's no like politics as in when you're on the start line, whoever performs the best that day wins. And that's that, you know, there's no judges, you you know, making decisions. There's no one telling you that you were or weren't good enough. Like you you either run really well and win or you have an off day and and you don't perform well. So that's one thing I really love about it. and I love how every race is unpredictable. Like you have no idea what's coming. You could be in the best shape of your life uh, and things go horribly wrong. And you could also be in, in average shape um, or not had like the best lead up to a race and, and it ends up going brilliantly. So there's a lot of that. Um, and I love how there's a lot of discipline involved and you learn a lot about yourself. Like, my God, like the amount of lessons running has taught me in terms of failure definitely failure is a big one um you know you, it doesn't matter sometimes how much you prepare like the plan just doesn't go to plan and all of a sudden you're you're, you're distraught and that's when you kind of overcome adversity and you just say okay like on to the next one move on uh, so that's something it's really taught me and it's just taught me to be brave and um one thing with running is it really allows you to get out of your comfort zone I would say with athletics, you're you're never in your comfort zone. Um, you're always striving to run a second or two quicker or um, in training, same thing. Or, you know, you're always looking for those 1%. Like, how can I improve my performance and what can I do to make myself stronger? So um, with running, you're always like looking for ways to improve. And I really like that as well about it. That's really good. I love what you said there about like it is you versus you. Yes, like in boxing, you've got judges that are that if it goes to distance, it's points and there sometimes can be contentious decisions, mm-hmm. but it's, it's pretty black and white. Like you can have a bad start and then there you go. Or you can have a great routine and something unpredictable happens. Somebody falls, somebody trips, or it's a bit slippy and, you know, yeah. talk to us, talk to us a little bit about it. I'd love to get a sense of, say you're, you're training, you're going through your training period, you've tapered, you've periodized, you've got your nutrition, you're, you're mentally tuned in, you're ready to go. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't quite land as you want. So you've obviously tasted a lot of success and you've won from an early age. Mm-hmm. So you've been very successful, but say, talk to us about that instance when you've really prepped, but, but you, you didn't perform as, as you want. And now you, you have to wait. It's not like a, a basketball game and you might have a game tomorrow. Yeah. You might have to wait again for a, a long period before you get another chance. How do you cope with that? Yeah, I like there's one race that comes to mind. It was in 2017 and it was the National Senior Indoor Championships in the 800 meters. And so the Nationals would be the end of your season. So everything is gearing up towards this indoor race. And um, I remember I like it was definitely I put in so much effort, um, which, you know, what? sometimes when you when you overthink things and you overfocus, it actually ends up being de- detrimental to your performance. So I remember um, it was a, a chance to win my first national senior title and there was four of us that could have won it. And I, in my head, I had prepared for every single scenario that could 
literally happen except for um, what would happen if I ended up in the lead because I said that's what you don't want to be in the lead in a championship race it's the worst position to be in because everyone is just waiting to make a move so made it to the final and we took off and where do I end up in the lead <laughs> and oh I gosh. panicked and that was I froze uh, and I ended up coming fourth and I was distraught. I ran off the track and I was in convulsions. <laughs> I remember one of my friends um, came out and comforted me because I firmly, I remember like doing visualization. I, you know, I was trying to go to bed earlier. I was eating perfectly. I was, you know, um, doing every single thing by the book that I possibly could. And I really believed, okay, I'm, I, I have a chance to win here. And then not only did I not win, I didn't even get a medal. So I, I have a rule that when something like that happens, I allow myself 24 hours to feel sorry for myself and to kind of, you know, moan about it. And after that, I say, okay, it's not the end of the world. Uh, you know, what did you learn from this situation? And then you move on. Because I think once you kind of change your perspective on it and say, okay, what happened here and how will I not let that happen again then it's very easy to move past it when you're younger and you don't really have that experience you know I find it's very easy to wallow in self-pity and you know spend a week or two moaning about this whereas when you say okay I've had my 24 hours to to have a cry and feel sorry for myself now let's reflect on it let's let's see what happened and how can we avoid this going forward and then you move on. So that's definitely how, how I um, get over those kind of bad things as I say, okay, what did I actually learn from this? And okay, it, this was a negative experience, but surely there was some positives and I try and take the positives from it. That's really good. I mean, like, I, you know, we hear about people saying fail well, you know, what now learning from experience. So that's, that's, in, the, that's in a running context. Okay. So you've, you know, Tough 24 hours, nobody wants to be beside you. Yeah. You're crying, you're binging on bricks, yeah. and you're hitting the naturals. It's all gone to pot. Do you do you take that into life? So away from the track, say you've had you've had something hasn't worked out, or you've had stress, or someone in the family's pissed you off, or COVID's getting at you. Do you say, All right, well, I can I'm gonna let this bother me for a day, but then I'm going to try to move on, take my learnings from it. Is this something you try to bring into it is ma all life? Massively, but only since about 2018. And that was when I became a lot more interested in the mind element of athletics and sport and how that can influence your life. So now if something happens or something doesn't go how I would have liked it to have gone, um, I tell myself, well, like this has been put in my path for a reason and there is a lesson in this situation that I am obviously supposed to grow from and then I think okay how can I avoid this from happening in the future and what have I learned from this that will allow me to grow and allow me to avoid this experience happening and I honestly think that in in all aspects of life that's how we should um, think about situations because I was one of those people where Anytime something bad happened, I would wallow in self-pity and I'd be like, oh, I didn't deserve that. You know, why would that happen to me? Why would someone do that to me? 
And then I realized from all of those little situations has been very valuable life lessons that have allowed me to grow and mature as a person. So that's definitely something I would say to anyone listening. Anytime something negative happens, there is a huge lesson in that. And you have to decipher what that lesson is and move on from it. That's really good. And, and do, you put, do you put that anywhere? As an example, I did a course with Flow Research Group in the States with Stephen Cutler, and they talk a lot about trying to decrease cognitive load. Mm-hmm. So what that means is if there's stuff going on mm-hmm. and uh, you're thinking about loads of things and distractions or procrastinations or things aren't going to plan, by externalizing it, writing it down, journalizing it, getting those lessons on paper mm-hmm. and getting the process as to what can I learn from this experience? It kind of helps you settle in your brain and you're not, it's not all in the brain. Like it's in one space in a book or something. Like, do you have a, a sort of process if you're having, if you're going through these periods or do you just reflect on it mentally in your head and remember it and, and kind of adapt and move on? Yeah, I do both. I remember last summer, um, I was feeling sorry for myself. And, you know, I, I just found that, like, I would think one negative thing. And all of a sudden, 50 other negative things would kind of come into my head. So um, I took out my phone, and I started writing down in notes, all of the good things that had happened that year, whether it was, whether it was, you know, winning a race, or going, you know, having like a great day out, or an achievement, or working with a brand or something like that. And all of a sudden I realized when I had started, once you start um, writing those positive things, they come flowing out. But for some reason, as humans, we find it so much easier to remember like the negatives I find about ourselves than the positives. So once you get going on writing all these positives, you'll find that they start kind of flowing through. So that was one thing. And then I would refer back to that note if I was ever feeling sorry for myself. Um, in terms of like my training diary, then I would also write a lot of stuff in that because I think for athletes or sports people, if you have a bad session and you go back through your training diary and can see all the good sessions that you've had, it reminds you like, okay, you know, this is just one bad day. This isn't a bad year or a bad, you know, a bad period. This is just one bad day. Look at all the good ones I've had. And even now at the moment, I actually have like a diary that I'm keeping for this whole COVID-19 situation. So I write stuff in that as well. And, and But one thing I find with writing is I don't force myself to do it every day. I think it's important. You have to kind of let it come to you. If you Sometimes I find when you force it, you're just sitting there frustrated. But once it starts coming into your head and you feel comfortable doing it, that's when I would do it. That's, you definitely been listening to Jessie Bart. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard something before when she said, yeah, like, you know, think and write down about the positives, mm-hmm. the positive affirmations. I had an interesting conversation yesterday with a social worker yeah. who works with, with children. It was really, really difficult conversation. And and basically all the stories in that sort of field are, are pretty negative, mm-hmm. right? They're sad and they're tragic and they're stuff that's really hard to hear. Yeah. But then someone in our group said, well, how often do you talk about the good stuff or like the really amazing meaningful changes that you make that change a person's life or the family or you save a child from a, a tough a tough situation and I kind of went well exactly because doesn't that just flip it straight away yeah. instead of 
like what you said there is, is, is so true. Like it's so easy to think about the bad stuff and I'd be my own worst critic as well, but like we need to think about the good stuff more. Yeah, I agree. And one thing that I remember, I can't remember where I read it, but it was like saying we should talk to ourselves, like through our inner voice, how we talk to our, our best friends. And that was especially true after a race and any runner would be the same. Like, even if you had a good race, the minute you finish a race, you would immediately start pointing out all the things that went wrong. Where could you have done better? And I found that once I started sitting myself down and saying, okay, would you talk to one of the girls in running like this after if they had raced the same way? Absolutely not. And that's a huge thing. Just becoming aware, like, oh my God, why am I being so mean to myself? And I found that was a huge change once I kind of started saying, okay, what would I say to my friend in this situation? And then apply that to yourself. Because we do, we do love being, you know, as you said, like our own worst critic and finding the faults rather than being like, okay, but let's flip this. There are positives to take from the situation and let's actually focus on them instead of everything that has just gone wrong. That's great. I've never heard that. Yeah. I love that. Talk to yourself like your best friend. Yeah, cool. and once you once you do that, it really helps. I think you're not you're not racing and competing at the moment, right? And you're you were supposed to be mm-hmm. in time. And um, I'm curious as about you'd have a thirst for competing, right? Yeah, running around that soccer pitch as quick <laughs> as you can. How how are you how are you filling in that space of competition to fill that thirst that you might have? What are you? How are you managing to feed that animal that's probably within you saying, I want to compete, I want to win, I want to perform, I want to get a medal? Like, what can you do now in the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of months? What are you doing to fill that competition void? I think I'm just trying to keep it cool and become better at, let's say, stretching, exercises, doing all the little 1% that I know will help me when I do get back to competing. Like, the one thing I would say is, um, because everyone is in the same boat, I'm not struggling knowing that I can't compete because I know, well, yeah. this isn't a, a situation where it's just one or two runners. This is like every single runner that I race is in this situation. So I'm actually finding that surprisingly nice. And I'm kind of thinking, thinking of it in a way like, okay, Amy, this is your time to, you know, mind your body. And as runners, we're so used to having that like, mental kind of aspect like intense at this time of year you're getting ready to race you're getting ready to run the qualifying times you're really going in on your nutrition on your sleep um and you're getting ready for a big summer of racing you're you're planning where in europe you'll race and i'm just kind of treating it as like a you know this is a chance that we'll never as athletes that we'll never have again just to let the body you know recover if I need to soak my legs in the bath, I'll do that. And just, you know, running on around the pitch, you know, running on the soft surfaces. So I think for me, this year is all about maintenance. I think it's just if we can get through this period uninjured and feeling fresh, that we'll be raring to go then by the time competitions come around. So I definitely am treating it as like a maintenance kind of season. Because I think I know for me, if if I was really pushing myself every day that I would just burn out. It's just not sustainable when you don't have that target in mind. So my target is just every day, you know, making sure I do my stretches, making sure I do my exercises, making sure I get the training done. 
because it's actually hard. It's hard to get the training done um, when you know that you're just kind of training for training and not training for a race. So I'm just kind of, and I actually find the days are flying, but I'm just trying to get things done and take it day by day and, and just keep the motivation there. Because I know if the motivation started slipping, that I would, I would be in trouble. But I think if you can just get through this period and keep that motivation, that you'll be flying it then when for when races come around. Okay, I'm going to ask you for some assistance, Amy. You're you're uh, an expert in this space. I'm not. I don't. I downloaded Freeletics right uh-huh. recently, and uh, chatting to a friend of mine called Dan Lawrence. He's actually doing something on Sky Sports, yeah. fighting fit. Oh, uh, shout out to Perform Three Six Five. You're doing well, and he's kind of got a little bit of a series on how to prep for running. Yeah, and then I'm kind of using Freeletics a bit and kind of going. I, you know, I don't really have the body type to be a middle distance runner. It's not my thing. Yeah. But you're going to your you're going to your pitch on your day. Yeah. That's there's a lot of people out there that are doing a lot of running at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, top, a recreational runner, someone not at your level, myself, uh, my mother, you know, my wife, those sort of people. What would you say? You know, ten minutes. I would focus on this, this, and this, and maybe these are the kind of things you could work on, look at over a couple of weeks. Kind of if you're just giving someone advice that they're maybe starting to run a little bit more or they're getting a bit more interested, weather's getting a bit nicer, they're not in the gym, so maybe they're just out on the road a bit. What would what would the physical things you'd be kind of giving tips to give them? Yeah, and that was one thing that I actually put up on Instagram when I saw all the 5K challenges I was like oh my god like these people are going to hurt so much if you have to get injured run and you're going out uh, banging on the footpaths um a 5k like that is going to take its toll on your body and I know then that there's people you know that will have just done a 5k and the next thing they'll try and and start running 5ks you know every day as if that's not going to have an effect on you so First thing I would say is appropriate footwear. You have to, you can't go out running in shoes that aren't, you know, running shoes. You have to dig around, find what's nice for you um, and just make sure they're supportive. You have to um, stretch and warm your body up before you go out for your run. So what I like to do is I'll do about 10 minutes of stretching and then I'll do some activation exercises with, you know, bands or like, clams you know you just you have to get those muscles warmed up um and then i'll sorry just for people who mightn't have nowhere are you doing dynamic stretching are you swinging your legs are you kind of doing inchworm kind of things are you doing static poses yes so like a leg swings that kind of stuff no you're moving um so it's dynamic um yeah so dynamic stretching and the band exercises, uh, it shouldn't, it honestly, it shouldn't take more than 10 or 15 minutes, but I think it's very important to do something before you head out the door. Make sure you're hydrated. You have to make sure you've drank um, some water and make sure that if you have eaten, that you've left a bit of a gap, like at least an hour before you decide to head out running because um, your stomach could come into some problems if you if you just decide to to go off after eating. Um, another huge thing, and I know this comes from personal experience, but it, if you have a chance to run on soft surface, like on the grass or around a park, 
do that instead of running on the road because there's just a lot of impact off those hard surfaces and you'll wake up stiff and sore but I just and and some people can go out and run on the road every day and it does not affect them in the slightest but for me I would be so stiff and sore after running on the road like I will avoid it at all costs I would rather do the laps and laps and laps than go out and back up the road so if you if you can stick to softer surfaces it'll be much nicer on your body very good and is there anything you'd recommend what's your take on glucosamine or fish oils or you know rubbing something topical into your knees pre or after do you do any of that sort of stuff no to be honest i don't um in season i drink beetroot juice now i know this Mm. would be more kind of for the competitive side of things but i honestly find it really helpful it just makes you feel that little bit sharper so they're they're like little shots of beetroot juice now they are not enjoyable (laughs) and i have to hold my breath and and down a vitamin c straight after but i definitely find them helpful i take um vitamin c every morning um, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't rub stuff on my legs or anything. But I think like, you know, if you if you have to or if you're stiff and sore, you know, um, a bit of deep heat or something like that. Or um, in the evening, um, soak your legs and Epsom salt bath, that kind of thing. Um, and you have to stretch after stretch and roll your legs if possible in the evenings. I, like that's one thing I would notice a big difference in my joints and in my muscles if I if I stop stretching for a few days. I try and stretch every night. Yes, okay. All right. Thanks very much for that. Let's um, wrap it up now in a little bit. Tell us, roll forward 10, 15, 20 years from now. You're identifying yourself as, as a runner for now. How would you like to look back upon the whole period from starting at a young age, Irish dancing, running, winning 800 meters, 1500 meters, competing? And this period, you know, 20 years from now, looking back on it all, what would you like to, what would you like to be remembered for? I would like to be remembered for how I competed. And in in the sense of you can watch a race and you can say that person could have done better. I would like to be remembered for like, okay, wow, like she really gave it her all in that race and not a hundred percent, a hundred and ten percent. And if, if it goes wrong, I would like to do it with, with dignity and not, not be bitter and keep digging in. That's the one thing I would like to be remembered for is, oh, she got injured and injured, but time and time and time again, she came back and proved like, no, she's resilient. She's strong and she's going to keep fighting and she's going to keep progressing and seeing, okay, like how far can I actually get with this running thing? Like my aim is to go to the Olympics. First, I, I know there's going to be stepping stones to that. Like first, I want to compete at the European Senior Championships. They were supposed to be on it this year. But then there's a new goal and the new goal is the Olympics. And I think within with running, it just takes like one kind of push to the next level. And then you're at that level and then another push on. So I definitely think that would be a big thing for me, not giving up because it's going to get really tough. You know, it's, it is very tough and there's going to be plateaus and there's going to be you know, niggles, injuries, all that kind of stuff. But I would like to be definitely remembered for the person who dug deep and and kept going and going to find out how far she can actually go in terms of athletics. Thank you. And now what about 
What about today? What advice would you like to give myself, um, listeners, family members, everyone out there in the community, you know, a little bit of advice to go through this period because you're doing really well. Like it's it's great to hear the energy. Yeah. What's what's the big bit of advice you're going to give and share for for everyone, runners and non-runners? So what I would say is expect to have those days where you don't feel good, and allow yourself to have them, and then move on because it can get really frustrating. And I've had those days where I've just been such a grump, and you almost feel angry at yourself. Just allow yourself to have those days and say at the end of that day, okay, it happened on to the next day. I would say, try and start your mornings thinking about positive things because it really does have an effect on how productive you'll be that day. Before you go to bed, think about all the things that you're grateful for. It's just little things like that, that you really have to try and work on. And it's like, it's all about like simplifying things. I think at this time, just keep things simple um, control the controllables. That's a huge thing. There isn't much we can control at the moment because there's so much uncertainty, but just control how you treat people, how you speak to yourself. And if you're trying to be productive, pick one thing at a time. It's really easy at the moment to see through social media, everyone is doing this, 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 and it's almost like a competition. Whereas like, you don't need to buy into that. Just focus on what you can do for that day if you get that done, great. If you don't, that's no problem. Just be nice to yourself and move on to the next day. Jeez, that's absolutely fantastic. Dig oil, controllables, keep it simple. Bookend your day, you know, own your morning um, and then have your gratitude kind of wind down practice. Yeah. Really good. Amy, we're going to often finish this podcast with, with, a, with a clear question. It's all about really understanding what makes successful high performance and, and kind of how that all comes together. So so for you, Amy O'Donoghue, what, what does high performance mean? For me, high performance is a way of life. It's how you conduct yourself it, every day. It's how you train. It's how you approach situations. It's how you deal with adversity. And it's constantly wanting to become a better person and a better athlete investing time and effort into how you can do that and understanding that it's going to be tough. No one has gotten to a high level sailing through life. There's going to be highs, there's going to be lows and you're going to overcome them. But high performance is just digging deep through those lows especially and keeping wanting to become a better athlete and a better person. That's great. Amy, wishing you all the best. Um, through COVID and after COVID. Thank you very much for coming on today. Hope everyone's got a lot from that. I certainly have. And stay well and stay healthy. And that soccer pitch, <laughs> hope you keep enjoying your runs there. Thanks a million.